0: to another special episode of the Apocuse Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce. It's episode 135, and I'm joined on the line once again by my co-host, Sneaky Pete. How are you today, Pete? Hey, what's up, everybody?
1: I can't believe we're at 135 episodes. It's impressive. Uh, wow, hopefully, huh? we're going to get 200 soon. It's good to be back here talking about all things magic with you all. If you like what you're hearing, our content is on the Lotus Council website, thelotuscouncil.com. And it's circulating now on various Discord servers. So you you can find us out there on interwebs.
0: Yeah, we're all over the place. And uh, and hopefully uh, getting out there a little bit more. Uh, it's good to see a few more people tuning in each and every week. Uh, so it's always nice to hear. So if you want to uh, find it, go down into the show notes and find the link to the Lotus Council itself. You can find the show free there for everyone t- to uh, to check out and a really active discord full of cool people who want to talk sure. to you about all sorts of cool things
1: we humbly thank you for your support as well and uh let's just jump in i'm excited about our segments today and uh bruce you want to take us away with this first card it's oh. a fun little card but yeah like right
0: so yeah like so i i was looking around and i and audience, I was picking up, uh, I usually go through Scryfall and find, I found this little card here, and it's called Emerge Unscathed, which is uh, originally reprinted in Rise of the Eldrazi it reads like this, for a single white instant, turn creature you control gives protection from the color of your choice until the end of turn, and it also has rebound. So, and rebound is an ability where at the beginning of your next turn, you can cast this card from exile without paying its mana cost. So, um, I sort of thought to myself, I'm like, well, like this, this effect is not unique to, uh, to white at all. It comes in, it's, there's been a number of printings of this sort of effect over the number of, or last number of years. And so I went and checked out sort of how many, how prevalent this deck was, this card was in decks. And so it got me thinking like, what would be the upside around playing this? What are the pros? What would make this card great? And I mean, like instant speed, which is obviously good. It's cheap, so it trigger So it doesn't cost you a lot of mana to have it up. You can disguise it with like a. Like you can disguise that you have it. Single white mana looks like source of plowshares, but it could also be a protection spell. And so, like, if your opponent's into like, like reading your mana, like, oh, he's re- he's signaling he's got source of plowshare or path to exile in hand. Maybe you do. Maybe you have a protection spell. Who knows? It rebounds, so you're going to get two for one, which is. Always good. Like never, everyone's going to be always happy to get extra value off your stuff. Um, It triggers prowess. It protects your stuff. It's just a kind of a useful little ability, and it's even been downshifted to common since last week. We talked a lot about popper EDH decks. And so this could be a a choice for you to run in your popper EDH deck if you want to protect a valuable creature or something that you're looking to protect in your deck. So there's quite a number of pros to make this card kind of uh, a t- appealing to somebody playing it. Now, I'm going to ask you, Pete, is this sort of effect something that you're looking for in many of your decks? I mean,
1: I think there are better ways to protect your creatures, but... Um, looking at like the commanders that that would utilize this deck on EDH rec, a lot of them care about your creatures being targeted in one way or the other as well. Um, Some of them care about casting things in exile, so the rebound obviously triggers with these commanders. But um, I I just, I don't think you necessarily need to run this card, right? Like it's not gonna really, it might help you in a Voltron strategy, but it doesn't look like, it's something that is strong enough to make a massive impact on on a game um, in Commander because well, again, mm-hmm. it's only one color you can protect your creature from. If it was right. all color, maybe it would be different.
0: Right. So I I looked at this and I, cause I turn around like, w- would I run this in my decks? And I had to come back eventually and say probably not. It's pretty low impact. Um, it has the threshold for it to be useful is reasonably high, in the sense that you have to have at least have a number, a a creature or two on the board that you want to protect. Now, that doesn't sound totally impossible, but depending on the the game, some nights, you can't keep your thing stuck to the board, so it doesn't really matter. And so I sort of came to the conclusion that it's probably been eclipsed by other things, because it doesn't draw you a card, it doesn't set up your next draw, it's it's just... It just gives you the two for one...
1: Hmm? it doesn't buff your creature either. No, like it, no. it just gives you a evergreen ability temporarily.
0: Exactly. So, oh. I mean, it appears in over 5,200 decks, which is more than I thought it was going to be for a card that offers this effect. But for a card that was printed over 10 years ago, like it was printed in rise of the Eldrazi, which I believe was 2010. So it's like rapidly coming up on being a, like a 15 year old card and it's still in 5,200 decks. When we have apostles blessing and God's willing and a few other effects that match up, and I think like I would prefer to run God's willing because at least God's willing well, gets you the scry, so you yeah. can set up your next draw, so For that sure. it looks. And so this this doesn't do that, and I, I find the rebound is probably less useful to you because sure, like if you cast it on your turn when you're when you go to block or 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 to go to foil your opponent's removal spell you immediately get it back the next turn. And maybe you're not in a position you want to leverage that into an attack where, God's willing, it might set up your next draw so that you can you can find gas or find the land you need or find what you're, you're digging for a little bit deeper into your deck. So I'd have to come back and say that this card is probably kind of garbage. You're probably not going to run it. It's like, it, it, it would be something you pull out of your box to consider playing, but then you'd probably pass on it in favor of something better before your final cuts, right. and like that's sort of where you'd come it, it, out to this, on this.
1: Yeah, it's like a hundred and first card or hundred and tenth card. I mean, um, I'm not a big fan of the individual targeted sort of yeah spells because knowing like the decks that'll run it, they're running other things that are just gonna cantrip them anyway. So it doesn't even matter. They're just running it for the effect of targeting a creature. For that creature's triggered ability not necessarily for that spell being worthwhile in the deck Um, so yeah i mean again it's still a card that's doable and like if you're on a budget run the card you know i have yeah there are ways where you can manipulate it so your commander will kill an opponent you play this spell you win the game that's great i mean um it's not like unplayable there are just cards out there that are just unplayable in this format Mm-hmm. This one is not a, not one of them. I want to keep mm. this positive. to, yeah, to finish.
0: It's, yeah, it's not unplayable by any means. It's just not a high-priority pickup for my deck in most cases. You
1: can, actually, you could run it an Oathbreaker, you know, as you a could. signature if you wanted. Uh, you could run, like, a mono-white Gideon list where he becomes a creature making make him protection from other colors. That would be doable. So, yeah, yeah it, it is playable. There you go.
0: It is playable, <laughs> for sure. But, but, like you say, it's a little on the low-impact side and probably going to get passed over for something a little bit... Better. Anyway, so what have you got today?
1: (laughs) So, speaking of um, cards that you probably could run and get away with running, uh, this card is called Dark Suspicions. All right. It's an old card from Plane Shift. So, it's very old. Um, It's a two black uh, mana source and two colorless enchantment. And it says at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, that player loses X life where X is the number of cards in that player's hand minus the number of cards in your hand. Interestingly enough, like in Commander, a lot of people play a ton of draw effects, right? Ristic Studies. Um, they run other cards that allow them to draw like a full grip of seven. Um, and I played a lot of decks in the last few months and years that care about card draw. Omnath um, is a, the four-colored one. There's other popular ones out there, like uh, Niv-Mizzet, where drawing creates an impact. You can punish that player for being greedy. I think it's a leveling sort of effect, especially if you're playing an aggressive deck or something that cares about discarding cards for value. Um, Even if you're playing something that runs out of gas quickly, or you're milling yourself and not really caring about cards you select and draw, um, this deck card could fit in a lot of decks, is what I'm trying to say. I think it's flexible to punish someone who's greedy.
0: The fact that you just said this goes, if you're looking to self-mill, if you're playing a dredge deck, and so you don't really care what's in your hand, because you're going to go dredge it out of your yard, and this sort of thing, this has got to be cool. That's a cool deck. Yeah, this card, like, so, audience, I saw this card on Pete's list, and I just about jumped up and down, because the other night I was playing, I was playing an opponent who had a quain deck. If you've seen quain go, it's a cute little bunny rabbit from modern, uh, commander legends one that draws the table cards and it it plays out as like let's everybody draw cards (laughs) i'm I'm all cute and funny oh i want to make you draw a million cards and you die and so like so so like the other combo
1: with this would be like force fruition and dark suspicions right because it's it sounds like an alliteration which is cool but also (laughs) it's catchy (laughs) but also um they're they're gonna draw a seven cards every time they cast a spell. So they're guaranteed to have seven or more cards in hand more than you will. Either they'll have more cards in hand than you will is what I'm trying to say. Um, So th- it's possible that, that those two enchantments together could make some weird synergy that allows you to win by allowing your opponents to draw. Because normally we don't want our opponents to draw cards, right? We want to yeah. prevent them from valuing us. This is sort of like um, a budget leveler. You know, and leveler is a funny ass card, but um, <laughs> dark suspicion <laughs> is like a leveling sort of card. It's a sneaky group slug card. It's not like oppressive, where it's like whenever you draw a card, you take damage, like Underworld Dreams. It is a card that literally is like, oh, you have to really consider, like, do I have more cards in hand than than the player with the enchantment out? If I if I do I care about the life loss, right? It makes these opponents have to make choices and questions, like we talked about weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, where some of these other group slug decks, you become the arch enemy immediately when the, when like fear uh, Vortex hits the field, for example. Um, it's one of those difficulty things you have to manage. So it's only in 460-odd decks. It's not in a lot of decks. Really? Oh, com- huh? the, com- the top five commanders that run it is Nekuzar, which is obvious because yeah. Nekuzar only really draw cards. and the, uh, so- the Perverter of Truth, again, force Force-Draw. The other three are really interesting. You got Dargraz the Igniter, which is a dragon from that uh, the cycle where uh, whenever it deals combat damage, you paste mana for an effect. Um, and you make them d- take damage for the color uh, mm-hmm. of cards in their hand. So, like they reveal their hand, they might take damage. That's interesting because it's in Jund colors. Um, there's another Rakdos card that Malphagor, mm-hmm. when it enters, Discard your hand. Each opponent sacrifices a creature for each card discarded this way. I don't, like... And Mogus, God of Slaughter. So that's interesting. Um,
0: oh, the other, man. Yeah. So check this. Looking in the synergistic cards, Solthum, Mayhem, Dominus.
1: It doesn't work, though, because it's not damage. It's just life loss. So that's so, like a mistake.
0: Yeah, doesn't work, does it?
1: Because it's a life loss ability. So... Unless you you I mean wound reflection would be perfect because uh, you know they lose five life and the next end step at their end step they lose another five. Um, it's because it's loss of life. It's not damage. Yeah. So sophom is not a synergistic card, and sixty seven percent of six decks are running this card. But
0: right, it's not. So what you're saying is sixty seven percent of six decks are wrong.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So that's funny yeah so it's cool right like it's just a cool card that it like it's not played a lot um it's a budget sort of group slug effect which i appreciate because i think it's interesting that you'll have to get around this enchantment mm-hmm. it's like a challenge yeah. sort of run it um surprised that shoulder is not it's not in a shoulder deck much yet um Yet. Although after this release of this podcast, maybe that'll change.
0: Because it shows it shows up <laughs> as one of the top cards that go along with it. So I think I think the, the time will be coming soon when uh shoulder players may look to adopt this. Uh a lot of people right. don't know about this sort of card. Uh because it is printed from the early two thousands, we're talking over twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not be something that people are really apprised of and have seen or nor are they prepared to to face it down. So I think you're if you put this in your deck, folks. Like, like obviously you're going to be looking to maximize, you know, you having a small hand, uh, taking advantage of your opponents who are perhaps being greedy and drawing a bunch of cards. And I think you're going to get a, a lot of people double checking and saying, "I'm sorry, can I read that one again, please?" And uh, mm-hmm. at that point, you know you've brought something special to the table, um, and make, made everybody sit up and take notice. Yet one more time um for yeah for a pretty cool card and it's not that expensive it's like 20, 20 40 cents i think i saw
1: yeah on the on the high end
0: <laughs> if you want on the like, high uh, end quote unquote yeah so like the, the old
1: edition of this card
0: so yeah <laughs> that's a cool card i like it i think that is definitely not garbage that is borderline great uh you just need to put yourself in the right right aggressive shell and away we go
1: yeah um so this this, this flows us right nicely into our next segment, which is just talking about how to lose in games. Mm-hmm. Bruce and I have had this discussion before. Um, we vented to each other about frustrations with players we played with at like LGSs or on Discord sometimes, where we felt like there were some situations that either went unfairly for us or the other players at the table or whatever that pertains to this idea losing because let's face it Bruce and I are both competitive people
0: (laughs) yeah it's true uh but I also like also like at some point it got me thinking like I've been thinking I've been playing you know for the pandemic now and now that the worst of the pandemic has passed playing online and one of the things that I you know how do you get the same group of people to keep coming back and playing together and particularly if you're playing with people all over the place right like when we're playing on SpellTable, no one's like you don't have to play with the same play group just because you live close together geographically. Like when you were all when everyone plays at the same store, you end up playing the same dudes because everybody lives nearby and you all show up, right? But when you're playing mm. online, like literally, like like if you want to say I like to play tonight, you may not play the same t- same dude two nights in a row. You're going to get different people. And so how do you sort of get the same groups of people always coming back to play together, because I mean I've found that my experience has been that we keep coming back to the same sort of groups of po- same same pods, the same you know four five six guys, All right. hey they take turns to play together to sort of create like an online play group that you know sort of coalesces. But how do you get to that, and without having it be a bit of a mess because you know, you're not playing face to face. So you, you, there's no, you know, you you don't have the same personal connection as you would, if you were playing with the same mates you've been playing with since you were 15. Right. So what is it about your play group that keeps this five or six people that you've met online together? Or, you know, or as you move into a new store, like why do the same same groups of people sit down to play together each week?
1: I think, I mean, beyond just knowing the people for a while, um, we mentioned this in our in our notes here. Um, I mean, rule zero, how do you win and how fast and just asking questions, maybe even just asking people, how's your day going or whatever, like humanizing these people? Because sometimes we just sit at a table, we don't think we just shuffle our cards up and we're ready to play. And um, sometimes there are misunderstandings and miscommunications about. Um, stuff so, I think limiting that is just communicating because this could be social. Absolutely. Know? And, unlike and my best my best times, I've been laughing and joking around about the absurdity of some of these cards we just played, mm-hmm. or like, um, I got a friend who did an altered art of himself because he works at an amusement park. Yeah. He plays a uh, pirate's list, and he made he dressed up as a pirate at the amusement park during Halloween. And he made an altered, uh, like, proxy of himself on the commander. That's cool. And I thought that was one of those things. And that's how we started talking about the game. And um, he has a really good sense of humor. So it's nice because you can play the more risky strategies and he won't get upset because he doesn't really care. He's just there to have fun and mm-hmm. play the game. And I, I hope to gain that sort of control eventually in my own life with playing because if you can just laugh about even the worst outcomes in the game, I'm saying outcomes in quotes because it's just a game and we're gonna you know, we'll be waking up tomorrow and nothing nothing has really changed, right? Absolutely. Um so yeah, just I guess talking through these these lines of play and um optimizing ourselves. Bruce and I always have good conversations because we always joke around with each other. We've known each other for a few years now, that when we play together, we'll target each other jokingly not necessarily because we should sometimes. <laughs>
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so like the rule zero, I think is a really integral part to making sure that your play group understands what's going to get down, what what's going to happen. And, and, and there comes a point when, when you're familiar enough with each other that that rule zero conversation doesn't really need to happen as much because everyone sort of has a pretty good idea of what everyone else is doing. Right. But that rule zero conversation is integral to people. When you're sitting down for the first or you're not super familiar with everybody, you're getting to know what everyone is able to do, um, how they like to play their decks, what sort of decks they like to, they, lend, they lean into. Um, and that, that's really good to a, sort of lay the foundation for what are the parameters of our game tonight. But th- that, like we've, there's been so much time about Rule Zero. We're not going to go into much more conversation, but there's far more yeah. to making sure that your play experience is one that's positive So that those people that you played with in your pod say, Hey, I want to play with Bruce again. Cause to me, that's the ultimate compliment. If somebody, if somebody comes back and says, I want to play with you again. I like that. That was a fun game. Um, then that to me, like whether I won or lost, I don't really care because that to me is the real compliment and the real piece that I I'm, I'm seeking in my, in my play experience. And so how do we make I guess we, how how do you get inside essentially get invited back to the table to play with these guys? Presuming you also had fun and you want to do that, like maybe maybe you had a miserable time and you're like, oh forget it, I'm not doing that. But if you had a good time and they had a good time and you want to recreate that, how does that happen? And what does it mean? Like so, how do we re- recreate the experience of like, hey, it was fun to play with Bruce. I want to play again. And I think there's some some strategies and some ideas that we're gonna to have tonight to help people like sort of understand like one of the key parts is actually how you lose, how you lose yeah. is super valuable in terms of, re- of maintaining the continuity of that play group and saying, helping everyone to have a good experience.
1: Yeah. So I guess um, I think it goes with any social setting, just being open about what you're trying to do and not taking things personally in the game mm-hmm. will help um, with new players You know, integrating them into this wonderful community that we're in. Um, I know, Bruce, you said you like to do this with new players, like talking through the lines that can help them to optimize and win uh, with their decks. Yeah. Um, The one that I like that we touched on before we talked uh, before the show was talking about reorienting our goals from just this black and white view lens of winning and losing. But rather, like other sort of goals or unique strategies, um, you know those sexy sweet cards that we mm-hmm. like to just table and test out, and maybe weird synergies that we never saw on our decks before. Um, those, those things, and then I guess our expectations. And mm-hmm. I know Bruce, had a lot to talk on that point. Um, how, <laughs> I got some. I got some how, thoughts
0: on many of these. So. Uh... <laughs> Um, yeah. Can I just jump in here? So, um, so yeah, you know, let's 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 start with the goals, all right, folks. Like, let's start with goals and what you what you're looking to get from the experience. And like I said, um, for me, it's less about the winning and losing. It's more like, hey, I had fun with you tonight. Can we play again next week? And that to me is a great is a great compliment. And for me to get to that situation, I've had to change my focus away from wins and losses. Winning and losing is not really the, the be-all and end-all. Um, and for, for me, I, when I was, a, when I was a, a teenager, I ran track and field and cross-country, and I did a lot of races. And if anybody's done a lot of races before, I mean, you line up at the start line, and there could be, there's, there's a lot of other runners that are with you, and a lot of them are, are, are excellent too. So the chances of you being the guy who's first across the finish line is pretty low. In fact, it's really low. And so lots of runners, even like whether you run a 10K or a marathon or you just run, you know, you, you, you run the five kilometer fun run in your local community on, you know, July the 4th or Canada Day or whenever you do it, you probably have your own internal goals for motivating you to do it, whether it's a fitness goal, a time goal, a pacing goal. Um, you want to implement like your own strategy for your race. Like I go slow here, I go fast here. Um, you're maybe you're more advanced and you're working on like taking in like taking in food and water while you drink to so you can extend your distance, whatever. That's all like focused like runners do to reorient their focus away from whether they won or lost the race. They're looking at their personal best, their split times, blah blah blah. Well, for us like go ahead. Just just on the same vein. I mean
1: I, I, I'm a personal trainer as part of one of my jobs and uh, same with the clients in terms of sometimes the goals change on the fly in terms mm-hmm. of we're, um, we're doing like a circuit or we're doing weightlifting and I have a specific expectation and goal for them that I think they can achieve yeah. and they have their own expectation or goal either that exceeds mine or doesn't necessarily come to my level but you have to come to this sort of agreement that you're going to, Get them to their like uh, finish line for the weightlifting for the circuit, mm-hmm. but you're not gonna, you're not gonna injure themselves when they're doing it, right? And they're gonna enjoy it. Yeah. Because the lineage, they got it they, want it, they wanna have to enjoy it. Fitness is meant to be enjoyed when we're working together, mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
0: And, it's and, not, it's not by any means. And magic's <laughs> the same way, but we have to change our goals. So what are our internal goals now? Is it because you're, are you looking to implement a new unique strategy, a commander that's rarely played? You want to take that bad commander in that, in that, in that set this year and turn it into something that's fun and interesting and unique where everyone goes, dude, that's cool. I have not seen that commander. Um, you know, do you want to play sweet cards, cards that people may not be familiar with? Like one of the things we I, I, that now that like Pete's on a more on a more regular basis, you know, Pete's highlighting unique and interesting cards that are going to give you better mileage um, and and sort of uh, accentuate your play experience. But when someone goes, "Hey, can I read that card? I haven't seen that before. That's cool," and that's that's a really rewarding experience in its own right were you able to were you able to have some synergy pieces work together to sort of create um, an interesting board state or or present a problem for your opponents that they had to overcome all of those are like our realistic internal goals for our for us as we play now to really take the focus on whether did you win did you lose okay w- who cares if you won or lost did, did your deck do what it's supposed to do did it do something fun and innovative and unique and and and, and cool great then maybe that maybe that's enough for all for you to say i had fun and i want to try it again try the deck again maybe make a few adjustments and come back with it and sort of build on that puzzle and that's all part of the process and that takes the focus away from losing so your your emotions the the, the re- very real and tangible emotions of loss is mitigated by this other focus and other goal that is driving you, that's going to make your experience far more positive. And so when you get up from the table at the end of your play session, you go, yeah, I did have fun. My deck did, did, its, did its thing. I didn't win, but that's okay.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I really enjoy the, the fact that there are games where I lose terribly and it's really funny. You know, like Bruce, we still talk about this epic hilarity situation. I'm going to talk about it later on in the show with the deck we're going to brew and show on uh, the cast tonight. But um, just like there are memorable situations where it's like, oh, I literally killed myself with the last two of damage, right? Like maybe I had shock in hand and I shocked myself. So you didn't have the satisfaction of making me lose, you know, um, or like other silly things where I remember like playing, a deck where I literally could not stop the interaction of drawing cards, and I died because they had Underworld Dreams out. Yeah, yeah, right. just really funny. Like I literally could not. I had nothing in my deck to remove that yeah. card. Was just really.
0: Funny. Um, and losing helps you better get better at the game yeah, too, right? I've I I learned far more from losing than I have from winning. I will ab- like absolutely agree. So if you're if you're a, if you're someone who's interested in learning how to get better at Magic, you learn far more about how to get better by losing a bunch. Uh, obviously, you need to think about it and not just uh, like brush it off. But learn, like learning, like you lose and you reflect on what happened, and then you'll see that you're, there's development and growth being made. So,
1: right. So, just our last t- point before the third segment, um, just like managing your emotions about uh, the loss and the situation. So, it just ties into what we just talked about. Yeah. Um, so, not make the situation. I feel like people, they, uh, they get frustrated, right? And they, they're like, why did I lose? Like Terrible. Ah. And I want to provide like an example real quick that I play on a billiards league on Monday nights. And there's a guy on my team, actually, who is very hard to deal with because he's really, really competitive. It's his Super Bowl every every Monday, right? He, oh boy. he wants to win. Every- oh, boy. And he doesn't know how to lose. And when he loses, like he lost two games this past week. He was complaining and then he eventually stopped talking about it. But it was just a reminder that, like, why are you here to play this game? Are you here to complain and when you lose? Are you here to, like, learn something if you lose? Or do you relish the victory and over-accentuate that you won? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'd, rather, I'd rather that you don't – if you're going to be miserable, then why are you going
0: to play this mm-hmm. game, I guess? So, right. my view with, with in terms of expectations is that Magic is a game that lends itself to everybody thinking they're the smartest guy in the room. Like that's what everyone mm-hmm. thinks. Like, oh, ah, yeah, yeah, my deck is go- Is the is the only deck to do that? Like, okay, taking me a long time, but I probably I recognize I'm probably not the smartest guy in the room. All right, <laughs> that doesn't mean, sure but- that doesn't mean I can't enjoy the game. All right, so. I mean, I've watched, you know, let's be real, the smartest guy in the room is probably the guy playing professionally winning the the, the pro tour. Like that guy sm- that guy is, is next level.
1: Even on the pro tour, their percentage win rate is what, 30, 40 percent? So it's not like they win every single Absolutely. game. Absolutely. They just have so they just have a higher win than everybody yeah. else.
0: So so but so well, so us as players just need to figure out where we fit in the grander scheme of the game and like recognize like, yeah, there are players who are better than us uh there we can learn things from other players uh we can still enjoy the game for what it is same reason people can enjoy sport or music or art or whatever you may never be the next picasso or mozart or wayne gretzky uh or but you can still enjoy your favorite activities and just that expectation on yourself like is going to make your experience be a lot less stressful and get people worked up because people get upset over losing because they're stressed. They want to win. They're so, like, they, they, oh, like, but like, look, like,
1: it's their Stanley Cup, Bruce. It's their, it's their. Super Bowl. I get it, but I, you know, I also
0: understand, like, you're, it's, 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 there's nothing wrong while you're in the moment of enjoying, of, 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 of competing hard. But when it's over and they, and, and if you're not the guy winning, just to sort of set it down and say, you know what? okay i i've 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 been able to enjoy it where you are with doing what you're doing and so i think that sort of mindset tempering your expectation is actually really really key towards helping you be a a graceful loser so that when you know so that the other people around you can enjoy the experience too that makes sense
1: yeah um I guess one of the things I learned early on playing competitive sports and, you know, even playing billiards is the margin of victory is so Mm -hmm. slim and most of the time you're not going to win. And I like, there are times where like, I remember a few weeks ago I was shooting really bad for billiards, right? I was terrible. I could not make a ball in and I was getting frustrated. And I was talking to my partner about it because it's a, it's a, it's a doubles league. And he goes, Peter, as long as you make the last shot, the eight ball in, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how you play. It doesn't matter. Um, and if you lose, so what? Like you'll just get it back next time. You know, don't worry about it. Just think about the next yeah. shot, right? Think about the next card you're gonna draw. You know, think about the next game you're gonna play. Because at the end of the day, this game is meant to be fun with friends, especially this format. Absolutely. So I guess that's my final little Thing for this yeah, section. I think is a, a
0: good way to wrap, put a put a bow on that one and wrap it up there for sure. So let's let's like bring it with that in mind. Let's come back to the deck you're sharing with us tonight. Um, this 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 is uh, <laughs> I've seen this one go. I'll be honest, audience. It's what it's one of uh, one of the most interesting things that I've uh, I've seen go. So I'll let Pete share it with us and talk about. It. And you'll see really quickly what we're talking about, like the, because the deck is can go one of two ways where that fine threat, like that fine at knife edge between winning and win big or falling off the edge. And next thing you know, like you're the first one knocked out. So let's, I'll let you explain what you got here, Pete.
1: So this was a deck that I, I love very much have not played in a few years, actually, just because I had to put it aside, take a break from it because of the fact that it is, it is an emotional roller coaster of a deck. All right. You are playing with fire, literally, your own life total. (laughs) True. Or lose. So the story I wanted to share was Bruce and I were playing together, like, two years ago now. Yeah, a long time ago. Um, Yeah, it was a long time. It was right in the middle of the pandemic. We were playing over Discord, and I ended up getting Grevin out. Grevin, Predator Captain, is the commander. He says uh, he's a five-mana Rakdos creature, five-five, Uh, he gets plus X plus zero, where X is the amount of life you've lost this turn. Whenever he attacks, you may discard, or sorry, you may sacrifice another creature. If you do, draw cards equal to that creature's power, and you lose life equal to the creature's toughness. So it's really, really easy to get him to 21, uh, a 21-5, and kill an opponent. Um, There are games that I played this deck before um, and it's not even as tuned as it is now. This is probably the most tuned you can get it without buying the hundred dollar jeweled lotus, right? This and and the fast mana yeah, rocks that cost a hundred bucks. This deck, I have one on turn five or six with like a average draw, which means like I had a soul ring in hand and I got him out on turn four. Yeah. Right. This deck is also lost on turn five or six because I killed myself <laughs> because I got greedy with my life total, and the. What happened was he played Slimefoot, where whenever a sapperling dies, you can deal one damage to each opponent, I think. or uh, no, target, your opponent loses
0: one life, and you gain a life.
1: Yes, yes. So what happened was I played this spell in the list called Fire Covenant. It is, it is an instant that says... Great um, card,
0: by the way. Great card.
1: It is a great boar wipe in black and red. It says it deals X damage divided among any number of target creatures, where X is the amount of life you pay. You can't prevent or redirect the life loss. So, if you pay 39 life, even if the spell gets countered, you lose 39 life. It doesn't it really matter. So, what I did was I paid 39 life into Grevin. And um, on the stack, I killed a sapling out <laughs> with Slimefoot out, I killed myself on the stack. Because when I could swing with the creature, or as I was about to attack, the, the sapling dies. Kills me before my attack phase begins, or well, as I'm in it. Actually, it was in the middle of I combat. So, yeah. Really, it was trigger because I had life link with the creature, um, and I died. And I laughed, and I was like, "Yep, I died." Yeah. And it was one of the funniest things because I didn't realize it, but I also I like overextended myself. So this deck is all about leveraging your own life and not getting salty if you lose because you're going to lose a ton. Uh, you're going to lose a ton of life if you don't get the life link. If you don't draw well, um if someone removes Grevin too many times, sometimes um there's a there's good recursion in the in the deck. But again, it's commander, so it's a five mana card. If it gets removed three, four times, there are times where I've literally lost games because I can't yeah. get Grevin back out on the battlefield and I have all the pieces in my hand. Um so it is just enjoy the deck. Um you can build this budget pretty easily. You just need to buy some of the creatures, uh that are cheap, like the seven ones, the four ones, the five ones. That's fine. You don't need the expensive cards as much. Um, this is just a very, very, very focused right. list that wins. And what,
0: and what it what it illustrates so, is like, and so I remember when it happened, and at, at the time we hadn't really appreciated what was happening until we looked at the triggers and we're like, oh, Pete just inadvertently killed himself, and then everyone and everyone had a good <laughs> laugh about it. And a little bit of a little bit of humor in that moment, like Pete could have been salty. Like he could have absolutely been salty. He was would have been like totally. You can all imagine a, a yeah. guy making that mistake and then getting up and like being really upset that he but he made the mistake. But instead, Pete had had a little bit of a chuckle at himself. I was Like oh no, and like that made all the difference <laughs> towards making like having a situation where it could have. Made the play the pod feel really awkward. It was like, oh, oh, like what's Pete gonna do? And Pete, Pete, like a little bit of humor, a little bit of a self-deprecating laugh. Like, oh, I guess I overextended into that one now. And there you know, Pete's Pete's done. And just a little bit of humor and losing a little bit and helping Pete lose a little bit of grace at a mistake of his own really helped make the pod finish the game enjoy- in a way that was enjoyable. And to this day, like Pete and I still talk about it and have a good chuckle about it where, you know, it's something that, was, that we think back on fondly and um, you know, and, and...
1: One of the most mighty punts that I've done and I've done a lot in this game. Um, I've done a ton of really good punts. Like, I should write them down because they're just, it's like top 10 what not to do in <laughs> Magic. Um, well It's... It's always a pleasure like just to experience um weird stuff like that, right? Like there are people I know on on one haste that would be really upset mm-hmm. if that happened yeah. to them because they didn't yeah. read the cards properly. Or I didn't read the cards properly. Um but you know, I, I think I think the deck is so much fun because you're literally on your own <laughs> clock. Like you either win or you lose. It's a very straightforward strategy. You're going to hit someone in the face with the commander damage. You're going to gain a lot of life back if you have lifelink and you're going to just keep mm-hmm. doing it. Um so, so
0: yeah, that's so check list. check it out there. It'll be it's the show notes and so you guys can uh, can see it for yourself and enjoy uh, enjoy a little Greven action. It's uh def- and and like we said, like we Pete learned a lot from that experience. I have no doubt. Um maybe not to Put quite so much into a fire covenant, uh, if nothing else.
1: Uh, Don't don't slime foot against or don't (laughs) don't target the slime foot player (laughs) or the. Well,
0: I I think I think the moral of the story is actually Grevin has got to be leery of uh, aristocrat decks generally, um, because of their of their propensity just to um, drain away small portions of life. Um, that are going to slow a a a, a Graven deck down and could comp- potentially put it in danger of not being able to to implement its full game plan. So that's anyway. That's an aside. That's a st- strategic choice more than anything. All right.
1: Yeah. With that, I mean, I hope in your pods, uh, everyone, that you can lose with grace. Mm. And thanks for thanks for hearing us out again on the podcast. This is always a fun time with Bruce. And, uh, yeah, have a good rest of your time.
0: All right, excellent. So, uh, audience, as as always, if you want to get a hold of us, please check out the show notes. Uh, You can email Pete or uh, me at the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. You can find all of our decks on Moxfield. And you can follow us on all your favorite uh, podcast platforms, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Uh, Spotify, Amazon, uh, and TheLotusCouncil.com. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care. You have yourselves a great week. Have fun wherever you next play Magic, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks very much, everybody. See you soon. See ya. Bye-bye.